Welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast, a series of discussions with the most disruptive CEOs and leaders in digital health. Hey, Breaking Health Podcast listeners, this is Tom Salemi. We are going to have a, a wicked cool replay uh, from the Breaking Health Podcast. We'll have uh, Omada's Sean Duffy on the podcast in a couple of weeks. We've got the interview lined up. Omada had some big news, uh, signing up some support from even more payers. And it's, uh, we actually tweeted, I tweeted out the news and, uh, Omada tweeted back saying, when can we get back in the podcast? So we will have them back on the podcast. Sean Duffy, Sean Duffy will be back to give us an update on Omada's, uh, great story. One of the digital therapeutic companies out there, one of the leading digital therapeutic companies out there. And, um, so Steve, will talk to Sean, Bring us up to date on what Omada has been doing. But I thought it was a good time to run the podcast that Sean did with, uh, with Steve way back. Way back on December 10th, 2015. Checking now. Omada was our ninth podcast. So we've, uh, we've come a long way since then. But uh, it seemed like a nice opportunity to bring you up to speed on wh- what Omada's story is. And then Steve and Sean... We'll advance that story in a couple of weeks on the Breaking Health Podcast. So enjoy this conversation with Omada's Sean Duffy. Welcome, Sean. Uh, thank you very much. Happy to be here. Yeah. So I, you're, you're my first uh, interview of a what I would call left Harvard guy. Like you decide to go to Harvard, go to medical school and business school at the same time, and you leave. And I, I've made this joke at parties before that maybe we ought to start a fund of all the guys uh, that leave Harvard. <laughs> because some of them that we know of have done pretty well, right? There, there you go. I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good fun thesis. What, what's probably often forgotten is the ones who left where it, it didn't pan out. So <laughs> take that into consideration as well. <laughs> yeah, well, we don't know those guys. We only know yeah, the other ones. But it's interesting to me, you know, one of the, the trends in, in, uh, that I think you've noticed and I've noticed is, is that this digital health world is, is, is pulling some pretty cool people into it. People that might have spent their their time, you know, five, six, seven years ago building, you know, a digital media business or building an enterprise software business is they're being pulled into this uh, this healthcare world, and you were clearly pulled in as well to leave uh, a great institution like Harvard to start a company. So, so tell me, what was it that got you here, and uh, and, and and is it what you expected? Yeah, yeah, happy to. And, uh, you know, I think you're. you're um uh, your point's spot on. I mean, if, if, I, if I had to say, uh, if I was one thing that I'm most excited about in regard to the transformation that's happening in healthcare uh, via software, it's a new type of talent. And, uh, you know, I think to some extent my background's representative of it, but, but there are many, many others like me, and, and these are folks who really do exemplify a blend. I mean, my um, I grew up as really you know, essentially a computer nerd. I loved, I loved computers, loved building circuit kits and Right. Uh, you know, just you know, hacking around. Um, just love that. My mo- my mom happened to be a nurse. Uh, I always thought it was a really honorable and good place to to build a career if you, you know, in healthcare. And uh, so I ended up going. I studied neuroscience in undergrad uh, at Columbia. Took all my pre med recs. Uh, graduated in 2006 at a point where Silicon Valley was absolutely on fire, and I found myself just reading tech blogs all the time. And, <laughs> 
um, got a little bit cold feet about applying to medical school, uh, to be honest, because I was just so drawn to this amazing world of, of technology and this moment that humanity was in. Um, so I worked at Google for a couple of years, uh, realized that you could probably pursue both, and that's when I went to, to Harvard. Um, they have an MD-MBA program, and I went in with the intention of, of, of maybe someday blending blending both worlds and, and you know, the uh, uh, you know, Omada, Omada in some sense kind of happened, happened by accident during that. Um, uh, and, it, you know, and, and it's, you know, it's been a kind of a, just a, a blast and incredible, incredible serendipitous, uh, you know, accent and uh, with a lot of hard work and a really kind of a fun ride so far. Very cool. You know, when I was a kid and I'm, I'm older than you, I can tell you just from the graduation dates, significantly <laughs> older than you. Um, but, you know, the computer nerd was sort of a different dude, right? He, we was different than everybody else because uh-huh. computers were, were, were very, very new. Is it the case now that, that computers are a foundation for the generation, your generation and those that are following, that it's sort of you're a computer nerd sort of anyway, and then oh, yeah. you decide that you're going to be like this super nerd, and, and that's sort of the differentiation uh, well, as you yeah. start to enter the industry? Yeah, and I mean, it, what's cool in my, you know, my perspective is the way that it's evolving is uh, software is becoming a foreign language in the same way that in high school, you're expected to take Spanish or, you know, or, you know, or French um, or Italian. I, I think that it's, it's just becoming something that people poke at and, and you're getting, it's so, it's so interesting. So there's um, a whole wave of uh, entrepreneurship at Harvard Medical School kicked off by, by, by the Dean Jeff Lyer. Uh, and, you know, I've been uh, somewhat privy to it and, and, you know, as an informal advisor and the the candidates that are in medical school right now that have basic 101 coding chops um, are are such a larger you know larger percentage of, of of the student base than when I was there and that's that's having a dramatic impact on how people view the potential of software to impact clinical and medical care. Yeah, you know I worry about it a little bit as a father because I like the analog world. You know I, I like <laughs> vinyl. You know I like the book. Sure. Um, sure. But, you know, I was that guy. So I was the guy who, uh-huh. who ended up being an engineer and a computer guy. And to be fair, we better get into your company here. And, sure, sure, gonna, sure. and I love what you're doing. Um, it, you know, we, we'll describe we've described it in the opening as being a company focused on behavioral change, particularly as it relates mm-hmm. to people managing their weight and their diet with an intent to prevent diabetes. But you've really hitched on to this idea of digital therapeutics, right? I mean, that's really a new sort of word. It has a new, new implications. And, and I bet you a lot of people would describe it differently. What, how do you describe it from the context of your company? Uh, you know, it's interesting. The, the, let me give you this history on how, how we and I started using that. Uh, really, you know, for the, over the course of uh, history of medical innovation, people have been researching and trying to figure out things that improve patient outcomes and ideally can be amazingly reproducible, scalable, you know, delivered at a click or through a prescription or through a procedure. Um, and it, it, you know, we started to think about what, what, our, what our ambitions were and what our program prevent, which talking about the SEC really aimed to achieve. And it's, it is that, I mean, it's delivering a meaningful clinical outcome, uh, you know, based on strong, you know, strong existing you know, evidence base. And it, it really felt like from a mental model standpoint, um, but what we were trying to achieve is more of more of a um, you know a therapeutic outcome than anything, and and we started to use it, and and uh, the term has uh, you know taken on in various areas. I think it fits into the mental model of how uh, the enterprise healthcare system and medical the medical director community tends to think about medical 
um, innovation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, 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 you know, and it just caught, kind of to some extent caught, caught on a, a life of its own. But I, literally the way that I think about it and the way that I describe it is, is conceptually a digital experience, a digital program, something that can be, you know, given, you know, scalably, effectively, reproducibly to a person where it, there is a demonstrated clinical impact. And, you know, and I think that that's, that's the, the most crystalline, you know, definition uh, for the term. Right. And I mean, when you think about therapeutics, your first thought is to think of drugs or something like some, something of that nature. But, but really, you're you're promoting this idea of behavioral change and be, behavior modification, or or adopting a new way of of, of acting. And and mm-hmm. and if I'm right, you're doing it at a point in someone's life, on average, where they've got some pretty pretty ingrained habits. Is is that right? That's right. Yeah. So the, we have a program called Prevent, which which is a high touch intensive behavioral counseling and you know life, lifestyle program for people that we call at the tipping point, where like you said, you have some ingrained habits. It's really your your weight's caught up to you, where it's actually causing cardiometabolic problems. And there's there's vast consensus in the clinical community that there are high touch interventions and things that can be done to help people with behaviors that mostly have been conducted face to face. Uh, that actually do move the needle. They do reduce risk of, uh, you know, of cardiovascular risk factors. They do reduce risk of diabetes, um, uh, and that's, you know, that's the population that our program is suitable for, and that clinical guidelines that are being put out from folks like the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force suggest should be should be, uh, you know, indicated for. Okay, cool. So, so as a jumping off point, give me the description of the of the the service and the product, and and how it gets deployed. Uh, yep, absolutely. So, so uh, you know, fundamentally, if you study what what works in a face-to-face setting in lifestyle change, behavior change, what you quickly realize is there's no silver bullet. You really, really need a heavy instrument. I mean, you, you know, you read the methods papers behind some of these trials, and you realize how intense intense they were. Um, when you unpack it, social interactions tend to drive a lot of the outcomes. Feeling like you're supported, feeling like there's another person, you know, people in your life tend to be what people report as being effective from them, not necessarily the content alone. You know, no surprise. Um, uh, you know, we're creatures of, of social kind of comparison and influence. So the way that Prevent works is a very socially driven program. Um, uh, we match individuals into small groups based on demographics. So all of a sudden, you'd find that you're in a group of 12 other people that are somewhat like you. Uh, we set you up with a remote health coach, and then we kick you off after mailing you a welcome kit that contains a digital scale with a cellular chip, so it's prepared to your private profile on the platform. Uh, we kick you off on a 16-week foundational curriculum where you're with a group of others, with a health coach, with tools, going through a curriculum, and week by week we unlock lessons while we mail people packages that tie into the lessons. So it's a relatively operationally complex experience in that very few software experiences out there have timelines built in. Mm-hmm. But everyone in Omada, I mean, we start our groups on Sundays. We just kicked off a thousand people last Sunday, um, uh, you know, and, and then and then they're off to the races. And you're 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 having a shared experience, and a shared experience on a timeline with similar goals and normalized metrics against them tend to be super important in the behavioral science world. So our goal is to replicate that digitally and, and do it scalably as best as we can. Interesting. Interesting. So if, if, I, if I think about it clearly, you've got the big picture, which is diabetes, right? And, of course, diet and exercise and BMI and all that stuff is pretty, pretty well documented that, that when yep. you get into certain regions – 
you have a higher risk for diabetes. So you're identifying patients that I assume are at high risk for diabetes, and your purpose is to bring them into a program and teach them, I guess, how to lose weight and leave them with the capability of keeping that weight off. Is that, is that the overall goal? Uh, yeah, that is on the on the on the front end, and who we who we select the more, more recent guidances have suggested this approach for even folks with other risk factors, additionally, to, you know, to diabetes or prediabetes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so there's you know there's some clinical you know wins in favor of deploying this for folks who, again, like I said before, their weight's caught up to them to, to where they're at a tipping point of of chronic diseases like diabetes. So that's that's one nuance there. But you're you're right. It's the you can't every every control arm of every study on earth shows that if you you know yes we all know we need to eat better and exercise but if you just hand people the pamphlets you know instructing them to do it or tell them to do it it never works so it's about it's about the psychology of enacting that you know in fact if you look at the best approaches here uh, and you know this is entirely true with ours you do start with some foundational knowledge on you know healthy eating but but everything else is psychology and the idea is reframing the way you think about food, right? There, you know, the lessons um, that that are at the halfway point on in our program are about things like how to cope with stress, you know, how to forgive yourself from slips, you know, how to, you know, how to how to think about social cues, and and those are the elements that tend to be the most important in these programs, which you work to emphasize. But you do really need to work to help people think about their behaviors and their lifestyles, and then. Once they start adopting healthier, uh, you know, approaches and behaviors, that does tend to result in weight loss, which is, you know, the, the most important thing clinically. What 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 constitutes clinically? What constitutes a significant amount of weight loss? Is it a percentage? Is it pounds? Usually, people think about percentages, and you know, guidelines kind of differ across the across the country and globe. Uh, it, you know, typically at the three percent mark, people's ears tend to perk up. Um, uh, you know, reliably, the the four to four to six percent mark is is what most uh, you know studies and translational efforts look at as as success. There is you know there is a linear relationship between more percent uh, you know loss and a, and a greater percent risk reduction. Um, uh, you know, so so you know with with, with some uh, you know caveats, more tends to be better, but but it, it's it's very it, it becomes very clinically beneficial at about the three percent mark. That's interesting. So I don't know what the average weight of the average person is. Is it 170 pounds, 175 pounds, maybe? Uh, I don't. You know, it's fine. I don't. Um, the, our average BMI is about 33, 34. So I, 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 yes. I wager it's north of that. I don't have the current stats, but but it's it's you know what you're getting at is true. It's it's not a whole lot of weight. It's still hard to get people to even modest weight loss at a population health level. That's a really tricky challenge. Um, but it eases your body's physiology. Like if you're able to lose five to ten percent and you're at risk for diabetes and you keep it there, you've done. Your body will be just celebrating that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I'm just thinking. It's not about beach bodies. I mean, this is by no means is it Omada's ambition to give everybody, you know, like to, to 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 like to bring everybody to beach body. This is about like it's about health. It's about a right the right amount and attainable weight loss through the right approach. Cool. Yeah. No, I would imagine it would be. I'm just thinking. I, I, my sense is ten, five to ten pounds, five probably for a small woman, ten pounds for a larger size man. That's going to really make a big difference. I mean, that's going to yeah, it does, it does, yeah, it does make a big difference. And 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 I would imagine. So, what's the average age of the people that you're? 50, uh, it's fifty-five right now. Okay, so it's not easy to lose weight when you're fifty-five. No, no, it's not. It's, I mean, it's not easy for anybody at any age, but um. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, uh, you're 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 right. I mean, it's uh, it, it, is, it is not. 
Well, I, I, I can tell you, when you catch up to me, I, I'll, my experience was when I was in my 30s, uh-huh. I could just like yeah. go for a couple of jogs and lose five pounds. Now that I'm in, in yeah. my 50s, it's sort of like, I don't even know how to do it. Hey, Tom here. 2017 Tom, not 2015 Tom. We're going to take a quick break from this conversation to remind you to register for the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit. It's happening on November 30th in Boston. We sold out the last two years. We've had to turn people away. Please don't be that person. Go now. Go to healthig.com. It's the word health, followed by letters egy.com. Sign up to attend the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit. It will be great. Now back to this conversation. The good news is when you started this up, I mean, look, weight loss programs, particularly in the corporate environment, right, have been been around forever. And I would say that it's always good to launch a new product into a market where there's existing demand and an enormous amount of dissatisfaction with the products that are in the market there, right? Yep. Yeah. And, and, and I would say weight loss programs, broadly speaking, have been something that employers and individuals and everybody have been, uh, been wanting to deliver to their employees and individuals wanting to participate in. But there's, there's, a, there's a very slim uh, uh, group that actually succeeds. So when you, when you talk to a customer, what, what is your value proposition and how do you convince them that, that what you're doing from a business model and from mm-hmm. a program model is going to meet their needs? Uh, yeah, and, and you know, I mean, this this relates to this explosion of technology because fun- fundamentally, there's there are successful approaches. Uh, they've just been in large part face to face, you know, to help people with, uh, you know, lifestyle change. Right, and, so it's like know, s- scalable successful approaches. Yeah, exactly. Gotta... Yeah, which is which is a problem, and and, to, and and you know, to date, we're the only company who's still operationalized this model where you get people in groups and kick them off in the same timeline and get them in coach. I mean, there's it, there's nothing else that exists on that, and so. You're you're taking what's been shown to work face to face, and you're doing your best to recreate it digitally. Um, uh, when we talk to our, you know our customers, which are employers and in, in health plans, uh, the, the you know the pitches, if you will, you know pitch, if you will, is look a lot of your efforts that you've done to date are actually spot on from an intention standpoint. I mean, you want to help your workforce. You've deployed programs hoping toward that aim. You know that's great. Um, welcome to a new world in technology and and you know and design that enable those intentions to be. You know, measurable, right? So we 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 actually, when we work with customers, we don't charge anything uh, unless we get people in, and we don't make profit until we get people to lose meaningful amounts of weight. So it's it's there. You know, to some some customers are very taken aback from you know, taken aback by that approach, but it's it's you know we we see the data. It aligns our product team to deliver better and better you know results and and get the mode of you know continuous improvement. Um, uh, and, and that, you know, that message, uh, along with the fact that clinically, uh, you know, academics, uh, and, you know, policymakers across the country know that something has to happen here and know that these approaches work and they really support them, mm-hmm. um, you know, you know, create a lot of, uh, interest in what we're doing, which is great to see. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so give me a sense of the, of the business model. You're sending a scale out, so that's got some costs associated with it. There's enrollment costs. How do you pick the people? First off, how do you pick the people? Because honestly, I, there's lots of people out there that need to lose weight. The question is, who wants to lose weight, right? Who's determined to lose the weight? Um, do you have a selection process for the people that get put into the program? Uh, well, so, you, you, you know, I mean, the first step is always a person and that they have to be willing to at least give it, a, you know, give it a go and poke at it. Um, you know, what's interesting is if you, and all the randomized studies have shown this, if you, you know, you take a thousand people that have raised their hand, 
and said, yeah, I really, you know, I, I want to make some lifestyle changes here. You know, it would be great to lose a little bit of weight. You take a thousand people that have raised their hand, uh, you give half of them a really intensive structured program around it, and the others you hand some information to. Uh, the you know the, the people who just get the information they they won't do it. I mean there's no there will there will be no outcomes. So it's 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 the first step to to working to uh, you know get get people interested in this in this concept. Um, but you still have to follow something quite intensive to get to get an outcome. So uh, w- when we deploy campaigns, our feeling is that the the interest is malleable. You know some people I think in a bit of a misguided way assume that someone either is in a mode of wanting to lose weight and, and make a change or not, and that that's a fixed thing that cannot be changed. Um, uh, the reality is if you paint a really cool product and, and show that this delivers value on a consumer level and you, know, and, and you share with the person that this is now a brand new benefit, that if, they're, you know, if they were uh, knocking on the doors out of pocket, it would you know, it'd be an expensive thing to to go through and their employer is sponsoring on their behalf and really just up the consumer value, people get interested. And then it's our job once we get them in um, uh, to, to work our best to, to make them successful. Um, uh, you know, and because we don't, you know, make money until we get people in and, and get them to success, you know, our, our, we're pretty aligned with our clients, uh, you know, to, to reach more people and, and get more people in. And um, we're not charging for the ones who aren't joining or, right. you know, or are not Excellent. Right. The other the, the 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 pricing structure from my from what I know has been more of a member per employee type of a model, right? That's right. And now, so you're actually saying a little bit of an upfront cost because I've got costs. Oh, you've got costs. Yep. The business. Yeah. And then you're what, what do you get paid per pound per uh, percent per percent per percent? Awesome. So yep, exactly. So so how are you doing? Are, you, are people losing weight? Yeah, no, it's been great. I mean, we you know we we uh we reliably get populations to the targets. You know, four to four to six percent is is you know where you you typically want to strive. And you know, I mean, it's it's fascinating. We're um I mean, we're at the point we'll we'll enroll uh, we're at thirty thousand enrollees this year, and you know, we've set targets for next year. You know, far beyond that. Um, and about the team around to achieve them. Uh, we've got three million data points of of weight readings from you know from our participants. I think it's quickly becoming the largest most, you know, best structured database mm-hmm. as it relates to digital lifestyle invention that exists. And, and what's, what's been so fascinating and neat about it is we're entering this mode where every participant who joins helps us create a better experience for the next uh, because we can look at, you know, detailed correlations on at what point, you know, people complete lessons, how does that correlate with, you know, other engagement factors. We can look at, you know, differences in demographics and all this really, really rich, uh, you know, insight data that you would actually never have in a face-to-face program, we can use to try to make the program better for the next, you know, the next person who joins. Um, so we've been really, you know, really thrilled to see it come out. And we have peer-reviewed, you know, publications after two years now. Awesome. So are you going to be, so you, when you say peer review, you're going to pursue the medical literature for what you're doing or? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, we publish, um, uh, you know, we publish our studies and have believed that from the beginning, uh, you know, in large part because, funnily enough, I mean, that's kind of why we started Amada. You know, I was looking at the state of digital health back in 2011 and imagining, you know, my colleagues in medical school getting excited by some of the things and there just wasn't the evidence to support it. So, uh, uh, you know, we, we published our one-year data, you know, we published our two-year data. Uh, you know, our one-year data really helped the CDC get comfortable with including digital you know, digital programs as part of this national diabetes prevention program effort that they're helping to drive. So um, that's, you know, that's, uh, we, we view that as, as mandatory and we have a, a really aggressive publication agenda for next year as well. 
Have you, um, just a sort of an off-the-topic question, have you considered a retail model, or is that not in the cards? Uh, you, we, you know, it's interesting. We, um, uh, you can sign up on your own. The reason, but it's just not, it's, it's such a minority on purpose. The reason that we even allow it at all, the retail model is, um, let's say you're, you know, you work for Costco, which is, uh, you know, a customer for Mata, and you're in week 12 and you switch jobs. We don't want to kick you out. So we, right. we've orchestrated the ability for people to self-pay. And sometimes someone will be on a benefits design where their significant other isn't on the same as theirs and they'll want to join. So we want to allow for that. Um, but we've never put legs behind, or, you know, significant muscle behind it. It's always been our ambition to make sure that uh, the program is accessible to the vast majority of the country. Um, where anything above, you know, $50, $100 becomes a check that they have to really reflect on. Um, right. and these, are, these are individuals that uh, tend to even carry a higher chronic disease burden than those who are more well-off. Gotcha, gotcha. So uh, last question on the product. So I imagine if you've got uh, 3 million data points, you've got a pretty good sense for how your program design operates and you you probably have the capability to identify weak spots in the program where people maybe either lose interest or drop off or don't sort of comply. Um, is it getting down to that point where you can really track each individual through each step of the process uh, and improve the steps that are that are where you're appearing where you where you may be losing some people? Yeah, you know, absolutely. We're we are we are we're we're so there. It's amazing. We're um. I mean, we're doing. You know, we have a publication agenda outside of Amana. We're we're conducting what you can think of as, you know, randomized controlled trials inside our product. And we have about like 10 10 of these spun up right now that test different dimensions um, to look at what additional lifts you get from it. Um, uh, You know, things like varying the group size, uh, you know, looking to add interactivity to the lessons, creating, you know, adaptable and, you know, personalized goals around, you know, activity, other, other, other aspects. And so, um, those, those are, you know, we have a, you know, constant, um, experimental, experimental engine going, which is, which is needed because no, no, you know, if anyone gets on the line on a podcast here and says that they can get, you know, with a, that, that you can, you can build a, perfect behavior change program they're lying to you. It's, there's no such thing as perfection in this space. There's constant iteration and evolution towards great. Um, uh, you know, and great can make an incredible impact on someone's health. So there's, this will never be a product where you can put it in the oven, turn on a timer, hear a ding, and say, great, let's pop the champagne, it's done. Um, we'll, you know, five years from now, we'll still be progressing this thing. Is there a level of personalization or is it more um, a programmatic and, 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 and trying to, to sort of get the people to follow a specific roadmap? Uh, there's, there's a lot of personalization that comes in, in in different ways, and that's actually, I mean, that's the next era for our, for our program. So there's, you know, right now your coach helps personalize. There are certain areas of the curriculum that can completely change based on who you are. Um, what, what, what we're entering is an era where we'll get to know you in, in, you know, well enough up front that we can pattern recognize um, other people like you on a whole host of dimensions that have gone through and been successful and, and know what, what was right and what needed to be crafted in a different way for them. And so that'll be based on, uh, you know, a whole host of factors. Um, uh, and, and, you know, and our ambition is, you know, you can imagine a user uh, in Prevent being in a group and just feeling like, wow, this is really fascinating. It just feels like this program was built for me. I can't quite explain why, but it just feels like it's working for me. 
and and you know in their and and they'll have one group that that feels that, and they'll have another group right next to them that's completely different that's that saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's very good. I mean, I noticed that a lot with some of this on some some of these online programs that they 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 have you have to escape out of you know just guiding someone through something that's the same for everybody and mm-hmm. be able to yeah. iterate into something that works for them. Obviously, exactly. you can't create an infinite number of options, but but the more uh-huh. options you can provide, the better the better yeah. off I think you're going to be in terms of getting people to do it. Let's uh, let's talk about competition. Uh, it's, it's, there's no free lunch, uh, out there from a standpoint of everybody's going to recognize you're doing something smart. And of course, I, I think there's been this, um, this gap that's, that's existed between the intentions and the outcomes in, in diabetes and, and weight management from, for decades now. So what do you think on a going forward basis are really the parameters, uh, for competition in your, in your business? Uh, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, the first comment is that there's so. This is the crisis of our generation. I mean, there's so many people that are in need. So, um, uh, you know, it's good that Omano's attacking this. It's it's good that other companies are as well. I, you know, what I would say is, um, uh, in terms of what makes Omano unique, it's a lot of what I've described. Where there's not, there's never, um, uh, you know, the the secret. I guess the the secret sauce, if you will, at Omano includes thousands of tiny ingredients, um, and you know, a lot of those you can't even. See you can't really see if you're a competitor looking to, uh, you know, work to mimic what, what we've done. A lot of them are under the covers, um, uh, you know, and, and we're well, those constantly... are the ones I want you to tell me about, Sean. <laughs> there we go. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we're, you know, we're constantly work, working to improve them. And you know, the other thing is, um, uh, the, the clinical world should, and, and is holding the companies to a high level of, uh, you know, standards around evidence generation. I mean, we, um, uh, it's it'll be a it's tough to convince a medical director that this is the right thing to do without publishing some studies on your effects, and so that should be the bar that's held that people are held to. Um, so we'll continue to you know publish more and more, and then uh, you know continuously uh, you know in, improve the product. But um, uh, you, you know again the, the core sentiment here, at least in my mind, is that you know great there there uh, you know most almost almost all areas where there's been value delivered to the market involve, you know, multiple players. Um, that's wonderful. It's, it's, of course, our ambition to be the best and constantly tread new territory, but it's a, I think it's directionally a good thing um, that more, more folks are coming around. Yeah, I, I have to say, just from my experience doing this, uh, the best thing that happens to a young company is when somebody copies what they do and competes with them, or not copies, but, but yeah, pursues yeah, totally. similar... Similar processes and ideas, because all of a sudden now the the amplification in the marketplace becomes extraordinary. Uh, that's exactly in terms right. Of the customer's knowledge of the, of the new way of thinking about things. Yep, that's really right. So, uh, sort of as a as a way of uh, jumping off, um, I want to talk a little bit about running a company and managing a company. I I like this part of of any conversation really often best. And I'll and I'll say it sort of like this: Did did you leave Harvard after the first year or after the first semester? Did you get to the MBA courses at all? No, none. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> after yeah, after the after the first uh, after the first year, um, uh, and, you got out. You know, you uh, yeah. Well, it's you know, it happened. It happened by accident. I mean, we were, um, uh, you know, funnily enough, I was at an internship during that during that summer between first and second at IDEO, um, where the the idea behind Armada was conceived. Um, uh, it and and. 
it's been just an amazing amount of personal growth for me. I mean, I, you know, I hadn't had a single report ever. Right. Um, didn't even know the right words to use as it relates to enterprise contracts <laughs> or, or I didn't know what a venture capitalist was. You know, oh, they don't teach you these things in your first year of medical school. So, uh, it's, try to explain that to somebody at a party, right? I mean, no, oh, exactly, exactly, exactly. So it's, uh, it's, it's been just an extraordinary personal journey. Uh, and it relied on a lot of mentors and a lot of people and a lot of, frankly, a lot of Omada's talent to, to educate me on, you know, various aspects of, of business, but it's, there's no better way to learn than do it, which I've always felt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you'll look back on this thing, you know, five years from now and you'll be like, God, I'm so much better than I was five years ago. Uh, exactly. And that always should be the goal. I mean, it, it, you know, I think it's, I, I love it when I'm in, if, in fact, I, if I'm not embarrassed by myself six months ago, six months ago, I kind of think that something's probably wrong. <laughs> right. That's good. Yeah, and you look at, Every company should feel this. I mean, I look at like our seed decks and you just feel so lucky and amazed that anybody gave you money, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, no, I, it, it's, it's terrific. So what do you think, I mean, what is it? I mean, look, you've been very successful. My data says you've raised about $77 million or so. And, you know, Andreessen Horowitz, NEA, Norwest, Rock Health, U.S. Venture Partners. I mean, these are great people to have in your deal, right? So obviously you've been able to persuade some pretty smart people that despite fact that you're learning some of the management skills on the job that you've got the chops to make this thing happen where do you go for inspiration who do you you have a a place where you draw your ideas about management from or do you sort of just pull from your own common sense you know i've read a lot you know you read a lot of books um you have to rely on you do have to rely on a lot of common sense um and and you know and, and mostly it's funny i mean i've always um but, well, and you know, and, and just and just like looking looking at mentors, and there's been some really just formative people um, that I've just watched in action along the way, where they just wake you up to a certain you know dimensional reality. And the first the first that I think is most important for anyone looking to found a company is just just embrace like who you are. Like there's no as you you can't it's 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 fruitless to imagine. A, a quote unquote style of leadership that doesn't map on to like your authentic self. And I remember um, while I was at IDEO, I mean, I, a mentor and you know, a close personal friend named David Webster at that point was running, running global health for IDEO. I mean, I would see him in conversations with C-level executives at, you know, uh, enterprise healthcare organizations, just being him, like joking around, just like a really like charismatic, like loving, funny guy. Um, and, there was just no no different, and, and so that's that's what I've always I, tried to hold true to, and not almost not overthink it, and just make sure that I'm communicating a ton, um, uh, you know, being myself. Everybody at the company as best as I can kind of should know what they're they're supposed to do because that makes everyone's jobs easier, and in communicating the vision. And then then it's literally all about hiring. I mean, it's hiring it's hiring people that are way better than you, and hiring yourself out of everything you can where. And you know, it's, I, I look at the folks at Amada. I actually couldn't do any of their jobs, right. but my, but that's and that's totally awesome, and I love that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So the vision that you're communicating, tell me what that is, and then last last question to follow up on that is, what is it like to come to work there? Like, how does it feel to work there if you if, sure. if you're not the CEO? Of course. Well, the, so the the grand vision is it starts with a problem that. For the first time in, in global human history, preventable chronic disease is killing more people than infectious disease. Yeah. Uh, you'll you'll find epidemiologists today talking about obesity, you know, as the next smoking. I mean, it's you know, it's a, it is the. I mean, it's you know, it's 
it's the crisis of our society right now. So that's a there's this is the magnitude of the problem. Finally, there's a, you know digital a solution that's scalable. I mean you know you can't you can't solve it without scalable solution. And, and even Omada can't solve it. But but what what's success for us and the vision I always work to paint for the team and 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 what gets me fired up too is. Uh, you know, what I want is 15 years from now, you know, 20 years from now, is epidemiologists looking at obesity chronic data and seeing just a slight bend, right, you know, a slight a, a change, you know, a change and have them seeing it mathematically and trying to figure out what it is. And I want that to have been Omada. Um, <laughs> and I, that, that's what I want. I want to I want to affect an epi paper 15 years from now. All right. Um, uh, and, and, you know, and that relates to your second question on this culture. We've got a lot of people who are at Omada to build a legacy. You know, they've been extremely successful in previous careers, you know, could, you know, could, could probably do whatever they want, but they're, they're interested in using their talents to make a difference. Um, uh, and we all feel that we're huge dreamers. I'm swinging as hard as I possibly can, you know, to, to make this thing a global, you know, game changing business. And we all, you know, we all are. So it's a mix of, um, we move really, really fast to model. There's a lot of very creative people. It's very, um, uh, you know, the there's it's a really that the talent bar. I was I was just getting amazed by some of the folks and and you know we work hard to to move fast and have have fun along the way. Cool, cool. I would tell you, and I, this has come up in other discussions that I've had uh, here at the Breaking Health podcasts is the the mistake that you can make and it just doesn't feel like you're even close to making this mistake by the way is to is to lose sight of the mission you know it's it if if a company is mission driven and it really sounds like yours is um then you know the the success of building a great company and having that great impact that you describe um you know has a chance you know it has a real chance of 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 succeeding so so it's really great to hear that from you Oh, awesome! Yeah, no, it's it's, um, it's it's fine. Any any business is really hard to build. I think it's uh, it's a very it's just hard. It's nothing nothing in life that's worth doing is easy, and you're always fighting gravity. And some um, the the what I always tell people who when they're asking should I start a company, I'm like you've got to find something where you're so excited by the reality of what it, what the world might turn into if this thing happened, and you realized this this company. And get so find something that fires you up so much about it, and the mission fires you up so much that you just like you won't let it not happen. Yeah. Um, you know, and you have to, you have to. I'm so convinced you have to feel that about your business. Otherwise, it's it's just so hard to do it. You you need the determination um, to just just kind of keep keep going and keep plugging away. Well, it sounds great. I've I've found some inspiration in this interview. Frankly, oh, awesome. <laughs> really appreciate the time. Uh, people might people like, do you need to lose some weight? Anybody, everybody's got to lose some weight. So maybe I'm inspired now to lose a couple of pounds. And I'm checking, definitely, get, uh, your, uh, you know, don't forget to check your cardio metabolic measures. And, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and if, um, there's a, if there's a challenge, we'll help you. <laughs> terrific. Well, thanks for joining me, and uh, really appreciate you you're sharing your story here. Well, yeah, thank you, thank you. I really appreciate being on. And that is a wrap. Thank you for uh, joining us on the podcast. I hope you enjoyed that uh, that replay. Uh, Omad is a, a great story, one we'll continue to tell. In fact, we'll continue to tell it in a couple of weeks when Sean rejoins Steve Krupa to bring us all up to date on uh, on its progress. So thanks again for joining us. Thank you for anyone who, uh, who gives us a ranking on iTunes. That really does help. Uh, thanks for telling your friends about the Breaking Health Podcast. And, of course, if you have any thoughts, shoot me an email, tom at healthag.com word health followed by the letters egy.com let me know who we should have in the podcast what we should talk about or just say hello we'd love to hear from you all 
And that's a wrap. Tune in next week for another tale of innovation. And don't forget to register for the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit. It's happening on November 30th in Boston. We're working on the agenda right now, and uh, it's going to be fantastic. So make sure you're there. 